Isaiah 9-2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Let's pray. Our God, tonight as we come before your word and as we gather together to celebrate the birth of Christ, Lord, I pray that you would illumine our minds, that you would shine light upon our hearts, that you would reveal sin, that you would convict us of wickedness, that you would turn us to the light, your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that though we walked in darkness, the light of Christ has come. We pray, Lord, that tonight would be all about Him, and that in worshiping Him, in acknowledging Him, in concentrating upon Him, in thinking about Him, you would also supernaturally be using your Holy Spirit tonight to work in our hearts growth and conviction and transformation that we might be more like Jesus. We pray this in His precious name. Amen. First John chapter 1, verse 4 says, This is the message that we have heard from Him and that we proclaim to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. One of the most common metaphors in the Bible is the metaphor of light and darkness. God is light. But don't think of this as a literal statement, because if it was a literal statement, then the reverse would also be true, that light is God. And we know better than that. Obviously, light is not God. However, light was the first thing that God created. Genesis 1, 3 through 4, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God designed light at the very literal inception of history to serve as an abiding symbolic representation of himself. James chapter 1 verse 17 describes him as the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. There are three main ways that I want you to think about this concept of light tonight. First of all, I want you to think about knowledge. A wise man once said, I have learned why God created toes to find furniture in the dark. <laughs> Light has the ability to illumine what is otherwise hidden. We can gain some concept of what is around us if we're in the dark, if you listen really well, if you feel with your hands in front of you. But it is light that brings knowledge to what is real and awareness to what we have only imagined. Every single one of us has developed an understanding of life, an understanding of meaning. Whether actively or passively, every single human being draws inferences from their experience or they receive instruction from their environment and culture and parents and their peers. We create an idea of what the world is, what truth is, and what reality is. But that idea is flawed by our distinct limitation of living in darkness. Jesus put it this way in John 12:46. It says, "So Jesus said to them, "The light is among you for a little while longer. While you have the light, walk in the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. Without God, you are incapable of accurately determining truth and discerning it from a lie. Sure, there are many people who will claim to know the truth and who will claim to have light and who will seek to gain followers and who will seek to express those things. 
That is why Jesus referred to the Pharisees as the blind leading the blind. But the clear teaching of Scripture is that only through Jesus Christ can we truly know and understand things correctly. Paul explains it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, and 6. He says, The God of this world, meaning Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of God, who is the, or the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He continues in verse 6 and says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Without Christ, we are all condemned to walk in darkness. The good news of the gospel is that God loves to bring people out of darkness. Colossians 1, 13-14 speaks of redeemed people this way. He says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. How does that happen? According to what we have just read, it happens when God Himself sends light into our heart to allow us to see the glory of Jesus Christ. He convicts us of sin. He reveals to us truth. And He even shows us our own nature. And if you trust in Him, God will cause your, your citizenship to be transferred out of that kingdom of darkness that He spoke about and into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of His beloved Son. For those who are saved by grace, Peter speaks of us this way. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's the good news of the gospel. The second thing I want you to consider about light tonight and the metaphor that God uses to describe himself is the metaphor of glory. Why do people put lights on their house at Christmas? That is weird. That is a strange thing to do. There is no utilitarian purpose to this. There is no cause for it. There is no reason that somebody might go outside and string a bunch of half-working light bulbs in places that they've never looked or paid attention to on their house for the last 10 years. Yet everyone seems to do it. My wife loves decorating for Christmas. Uh, she says that I'm a little bit of a Grinch uh, because it's not something that matters to me or appeals to me. Uh, but have you noticed that people only put lights on things that they are okay drawing attention to? I have never visited somebody's house during the Christmas season and discovered that their toilet was enwrapped with numbers of lights to keep my attention there. No, we use light to draw attention to things. People, similarly, when you go to a play, will not shine the spotlight on the stage hand. They shine the spotlight on the main singer or actor in order to bring attention to the beauty and honorable nature of something. Speaking of the coming of Jesus, Isaiah foretold his birth this way. He said, arise, shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. John 7 and 8 tells us about this occasion when 
Jesus was in Jerusalem for a special event called the Feast of Booths. And in those days, the Jews would celebrate this feast in a very fun way. They would take these four large candelabras and they would put them on long poles and they would lift them up in the middle of the temple courts, which was the highest point of the city, so that any neighborhood you were in, in the entire city of Jerusalem, you could just look up in the night and you would see these brightly burning candelabras that were symbolically representative of that time that the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years, and it said that the Lord went before them in a pillar of fire. And so that was the light, that was the fire, that was the symbolic imagery that they were to look at and remember the presence of God with them. Yet one night when Jesus was probably standing directly in front of them in the temple courts, he said these famous words, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He is the light of the world. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 speaks of him as being the radiance of the glory of God. Jesus has come to illumine the character and the nature and the holiness of God of God. He has come to display to you what the Father is like. I love that point in John chapter 14, the upper room discussion that they are having, and one of the disciples is asking Jesus about the Father, and he says to Philip, he says, have I been with you so long and you still don't know who I am, Philip? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus came to display the glory of God to man. You see, you cannot look on God in the Old Testament without dying. Yet when Jesus came, he humbled himself as we just heard, and he came in the form of a human. He came as a man, as one of us. He came as a servant, and he came in such a way that we could perceive him. And he came so that eventually we might see the fullness of his glory and delight in that forever. The light of God has come to shine forth, publicizing and heralding to the entire world that salvation comes through no one else. And the light of Christ reveals the glory of God. The third thing that I want you to see about light in this metaphor that God uses to symbolically speak of himself is the concept of purity. The Bible often uses the idea of light to distinguish good from evil. It often speaks about God as being distinct from darkness. We opened a moment ago hearing from 1 John that God is light. But don't overlook the explicit statement that in Him there is no darkness at all. That's a reference to His absolute purity. When you turn on a light, darkness has to vacate the room. When the sun rises in the morning, the overshadowing darkness immediately recedes. There is no contest. There is no battle. There is no competition. The darkness cannot overcome the light. Light always casts out darkness. Light always wins. And for that reason, light is always connected to God. And it speaks in occasion of his undefiled purity. The problem is that whenever the Bible speaks about you and I, it refers to us as being in darkness or on occasion being darkness. It's because we prefer the darkness. The light of the world has the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light 
because their works were evil. John 3.19. Those are Jesus' words about you. He says of you that you prefer the darkness rather than light because your works were evil. One time I was helping somebody clean out their garage, and it was nasty. It was a disgusting operation. And there was no light in that garage. It was kind of more of a shed that just had a couple of windows. And in that garage, there was a fridge. There was no electricity in the garage, so clearly it was not plugged into anything. No one knows how long it had not been operational. And thankfully, there was no food in it. And the guy who owned the shed asked me if I would just kind of take a look and see if everything was okay with it. So I opened the freezer, and then I opened the fridge, and I looked in it, and I said, yeah, to me, it looked kind of, I mean... Might need a little scrub in here or there, but it looks fine to me. And then the owner came over with a flashlight and shined it into the fridge, into what I perceive to be a decently clean, actually usable fridge, and he revealed that it was completely covered on the inside with a thick layer of mold. The light revealed the putrid and defiled nature of what had otherwise seemed to be okay. The light of God exposes us. But as backwards as it sounds, the nature of mankind is to flee the exposing rays of light and to scramble back into the darkness of our own sin. It is uncomfortable for us to have our sin exposed. It is painful for us when the light begins to reveal just how defiled our hearts have become. Jesus explains that everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light lest his works should be exposed, John 3, 20. Perhaps you're here tonight and you're not a Christian. And if that's you, then the Bible teaches that you remain in darkness. And if that is the case, your mind needs the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ. And your heart needs to see the light of the glory of Christ in the face of Jesus. And your life needs to be exposed by the light of the gospel so that you might trust in him for forgiveness. See, the message of Jesus' birth, this story that we celebrate, this event that took place so many years ago when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, we do celebrate that moment in time for all of the marvelous things that took place. But every last one of them point to a massive cosmic shift that was uncalculatable by anyone who was living then or even now. That is the hinge upon which the entire history of the world began to turn. When God came into the world... Light began to invade and overcome the darkness. And we are not left to guess about the purpose of that arrival. Jesus tells us exactly why he came in many different ways, but one of them is in John 12, 46, when he says, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. There's good news. There's a way out of this cave. There is a way out of the darkness. There is a way out of sin and its consequences. Jesus came to live a perfect life. He came to die a substitutionary death so that we might receive life through him. If you're not a Christian, I call on you to trust in Jesus Christ, the light of the world tonight. And if you are a Christian, I want you to be richly encouraged this Christmas as you consider Remember, reflect upon the love of God and the grace displayed in Jesus who transferred you out of darkness and into marvelous light. As a traditional way to illustrate the light of Christ coming into the world, 
we are going today to take candles. If you received one, I would ask that you go ahead and take it out now. Um, if you are with little ones, I hope you grabbed the uh, electronic ones, or perhaps adults, maybe some of you felt like you had the necessity of picking up one of those as well. What we are going to be doing tonight, there is nothing that is transformative about this. Lighting the light does not open a door in heaven. It does not bring you special blessings, and it certainly does not save your soul. What we are doing tonight is a picture of the light coming into the darkness. And I would like to ask that um, if somebody who's sitting in the back there, I can't quite see who's there. Francesco, is that you? Could you just turn off the, the lights that are back there? We're going to bring the lights down low tonight before we just get an image of the idea of light coming into the world. And I'm going to ask that in just a moment the music team will come back forward. I'm going to explain to you, you what we're going to do as they go ahead and come forward. <clears throat> what we're going to be doing in just a moment is up here on the stage, I'm going to light the first candle. And then I'm going to bring it down to the front. And then I'm going to allow you to begin to pass the candle back. Now, I want to explain how to do that, just to make sure that the building remains intact. <laughs> the unlit candle is the one that you turn sideways. The lit candle is the one that you hold up and down. So you take the unlit candle and you move it into the flame. And then from that point, it remains upright until the light goes out at the end. As the light continues to make the, its way back, I would ask that once your light is lit, that you would stand and that you would sing the songs with us. We'll sing two more songs tonight. And then I would like to ask that you carry the candle out with you as you make your way out of the doors this evening and that we will have a place back there where you can distribute them. But the imagery here is very simple. At the end of the service, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2 about the shepherds. And the thing that I want you to notice as I close in, that, in those verses is this. When they had seen Jesus, when they had experienced the glory of Christ, their next step was to go out into the world and tell everyone about him. That is how the light will spread to our community, to Long Island, to Levittown, if we take the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ out there. So tonight as we light these candles, I would like to ask that we consider thoughtfully and carefully how we might continue to bring the light of good news beyond these front doors. Let me pray for us, and then we'll light the candle, and we'll sing. Father God, we, we thank you for Jesus Christ and his birth. We thank you that he came to be one of us, and he came to live for us and die for us and rise for us. We pray, Lord, that tonight now as we are ready to close out this service, that our hearts will be richly focused on the goodness of God and the gracious nature of the first coming as we, we thank you for the light that has come to remove the darkness. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.